this is the fear of science. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Fear of Science, the podcast that dives into the wide world of science and science-adjacent topics to demystify, debunk, and delight. Each show features a new fear, along with special guests, surprises, and discoveries along the way. My name is Daniel Chai. And I'm Jeff Porter. And Jeff, I'm really glad that I got to see a great friend tonight, because Jeff, wow, I, I have have a really hot date tonight do you yeah and and i it's been going really well and and i think it's gonna happen i i think we're gonna go all the way oh my god that's crazy considering you're married yeah i i know (laughs) that that's why it's extra important jeff but uh, i don't know what i'm doing i see sitcoms and i and i hear the songs on the radio talking about let's talk about sex but I don't know what I'm doing. Like, like I pick up a can of soup and I look on the back for instructions. Turns out that they're just for cooking the soup, not for sex. <laughs> well, that's perfect because tonight we have uh, a guest on to, to help us with sex education. Phew! What a relief. Yeah. Especially because our special guest today is a sexual health educator that for over 25 years has helped parents of all beliefs become their kids' go-to birds and bees source. She is the award-winning author of two books, one for parents and one for teens, and has an advice column-style podcast, Just Say This. Her talks, books, online resource center at Birds and Bees Solution Center for Parents, and podcast, helps parents learn how to talk with their kids about this scary, important, and amazing part of life. She is still married to her first husband, and they are the proud parents of a sweet 19-year-old man-child. She lives in Seattle, and you can learn more about her work at birdsandbeesandkids.com. Please welcome Amy Lang! Yay! Thank you. Thank you. And... Oh, so I'm so glad Jeff was no help. Jeff was- <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to be any help. I think you're beyond help. There is a category for someone like you. So maybe, maybe I'll help you out. I'm not entirely certain. So let's just see how it goes. Sounds yeah. great. Sounds good. Now, first off, Amy, I always like to check in with our guests. Amy, how are you doing today? How is your day going? My day has been good. It is. I live in Seattle and it has been like crazy sunshiny all day. And this time of the year, we expect crazy, rainy, gray, like it's the sun comes up at nine and it goes down at 3.30. It's not that bad. Mm. So it's been a beautiful day. That's wonderful. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. And depending on when our listeners listen to this episode, your weather description of Seattle can work for any time of year. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm true. very yes. glad to have you here. Yes. Yes. Uh, Although this is weird for November. It's weird. (laughs) So true. Now, uh, Jeff, this topic is one that I'm very glad that we're we're broaching. But Jeff, before we dive into the subject with our esteemed guest, Amy, I'm curious, Jeff, what is it about this subject that Fear of Science wanted to cover on, on our podcast? Yeah, I think we've we've kind of done different episodes around sex before. We did just a fear of sex where we had Rika and Charlie on. 
and we just kind of talked about two different people's experience around sex. And then we recently did fear of sex workers as well. So I think in both of those episodes, we, we really touched on how important sex education is. So I thought it, it'd be really good just to full-on talk about sex education and more from the, the perspective of when should you learn and how should you teach someone sex education. Now, Jeff uh, and Amy, I'm very glad that we're talking about this because I say this uh, tongue-in-cheek, but people who, who perhaps of our generation before the internet age will understand that we <laughs> learned about sex from tattered magazines found in a forest and or a field. Yeah. Wow. 100%. 100%. Uh, and, yes. and if those magazines had the original cover on them, Wow. That, oh. that was a day you would write in your diary. Or taking your mom's uh, Victoria's Secret catalog when it comes in the mail. That's uh... <laughs> So I guess, Jeff, this is a question that we like to ask at the start of all of our episodes. Amy, in your many years of experience, over 25 years, do you find that are people afraid of this subject? Are people afraid of sex education? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> totally afraid. And especially when it, we talk about like talking to kids about sexuality, that just like, I don't know what, it makes people even more afraid than just talking about it like as adults talking about sexuality, where there's a lot of anxiety there and weirdness about talking about it in that you know respect, even just friend to friend, not necessarily in relationship. But when parents think, oh no, I've got to talk to my kids about sex, it's, oh no, I've got to talk to my kids about sex. It's not like in the Netherlands where they're like, all right, time for the sex talk, here we go. And yeah. so- especially in the United States and other places that are similarly puritanical, there's a lot of fear and anxiety around that. So one of the questions that I was going to ask everybody was, do you remember your parents having the talk with you? Or did you learn it from school? How did you learn about sex education? Jeff, as alluded to, I mean, I'm half joking, but those magazines in a, in a forest. <laughs> and the reason why I laugh is because people will know for me, uh, I learned about like body and like the, the bad touch areas and the respect other people's areas. But when it came to sex, I think that my first, here I am as an adult, far removed from public education, but I think that my first memory of sex education was maybe, maybe grade eight, maybe grade nine. Mm. And here, here in the British Columbia education system. And again, it, I think it has changed and evolved a bit, but my main takeaway from that early sex education was seeing a video of a woman giving birth. And I do remember everyone in the class, whether out of like uh, joint, like, like, oh, we're kids and we need to react to it the way that kids need to react to mm, something like that. Yeah. But I remember watching this video of this woman giving birth and everybody in the class essentially going, eee. Now as an adult, I can go, no, that's, that is a powerful, magical moment. Yeah. But yeah. So all I remember from learning about sex the first time was seeing a woman give birth. So I guess I learned the outcome, not anything else. 
You start at the end and work your way back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Memento education. Now, before we, but before we hear from Amy, Jeff, what about you? How did you learn? I was, I was thinking about this question mainly because I wrote this question, and I'm like, eventually, I'm going to have to answer it. I, I don't remember. I don't remember my dad or my mom sitting down with me and having that conversation about sex. I also, I grew up in rural Manitoba, and I was bullied a lot as a kid. So. For me, I didn't really care about girls or sex or anything all of high school. I I honestly just wanted a friend when I was a kid. I didn't really care about like being in a relationship. So I felt kind of, at the time, I felt very stunted in my growth. But then as I became an adult, I realized, oh, yeah, no, I just learned later than everyone else. And it really doesn't matter at all. But yeah, so I don't, I really don't remember. And also in rural Manitoba, it's a lot about not having sex because so many girls have kids when they're 16 years old in rural Manitoba. It's, there's not much to do besides have sex in small towns. There's, there's a part <laughs> of me that tongue in cheek is like, Wish I grew up in rural Manitoba. <laughs> I know, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, you, well, and you, Jeff, you missed a bullet potentially, yeah. right? You could have been boning and a daddy at 16. Like, yeah. who needs oh that, my God. right? Yeah, yeah. So like, true. who needs that? I'm... So count your blessings. <laughs> yeah. A- Amy, what well, well, about yourself? Now, Amy, as a sex educator, do you remember your first time learning about the the birds and the bees? Yeah, I actually do. My um, dad was a scientist and a biologist and a botanist. And I remember, so I was born in 1967. And so this was probably early 70s. I remember reading a book called Where Did I Come From? with my brother, relying on the floor in the living room and reading this book. So I have basically always known about sex, like since I was a really little kid. And then my parents would give me books as I got older. So there's the book, Where Did I Come From? And What's Happening to Me? Oh, the first one was How Babies Are Made. I don't know if I said that. So I always had books. So I never not knew. Like I always had those as resources. And then I grew up in Ashland, Oregon, which is pretty liberal. So we had good sex education. Like in fifth grade, we got the whole tamale. And then in something in junior high and then more in 10th grade or so. So it was, I was really lucky in that respect. But just because I knew all the things, like I knew what went where and I knew about all the birth control and all that stuff. My parents never talked to me about like values or limits or being safe or safe touch, any, none of that. So there was no conversation. There was just book learning. And I had my peers and I had a trustworthy adult in my life that was also helpful. So for me, it was, it was good and it was fine. (laughs) It wasn't great. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it wasn't like you, Jeff, or you, Daniel, learning the memento style. (laughs) It's hilarious. (laughs) Hilarious. Now, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that because I suppose that I think it's like any other kind of subject that we're learning. It's, I think it's the reason why we have education in a in a classroom setting and then you do a practicum because i think that context is so important for learning and as someone who is still learning and still growing i'm as an adult it's like oh penis and vagina sex is not the only way to have sex also I'm darn proud that I was the first person to say penis and vagina on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it. I was going to say oh, it. No. And you beat me to it. I just, 
I just say P and V because it's just shorter, oh, right? Yes, so yeah. you have the sex educator shorthand. So yeah, <laughs> go you, penis and oh, vagina. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's more than one way to have sex, right? And and the, I, lo- I like what you're saying about like, there's a context for it. It's not just reproduction, mm-hmm. right? In fact, that's the last thing on most penis and vagina sex havers mind, right? right. Like we're mm-hmm. doing it for fun because it feels good and there's all different kinds of ways to do it. Right. And um, yeah, so- Oh, you penis and vagina. Yeah. <laughs> now, for for myself, I I remember I grew up in a very strict household. Well, strict on my mother's side, and then my dad was very, and I love them both. But my dad, I think, was was lackadaisical to mm. almost to a fault. Where mm. I remember specifically driving with my dad. I think while I was learning how to drive. I learned how to drive before I learned about real sex, so to speak. I remember driving my dad and our only talk was my dad being like, so what you're doing and you're safe. And and of course, I, as a teenager, I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And that was our our only talk. And I, and again, I'm very gratefully married now and, got that hot date tonight but (laughs) at the same time though my mom was actually on the on the stricter side where she didn't want me or my brother to like talk about sex or ask about sex or to like look at pornography or to do you know anything to do with like with like girls because if you do that can lead to having sex so I guess this is a long about roundabout way of saying, Amy, looking back on it now, was my mom right? Does knowing about sex lead to having sex? Because ultimately, I didn't know anything about sex and I had no sex. So maybe she was right? <laughs> maybe, but also no. There's no evidence to show that oh, like... Say, you, were, you were lonely. You were lonely. <laughs> you know, there are worse things. Yeah. So there's no evidence to show like that knowing about sexuality and being really well sex educated, like leads kids to having sex. We have sex. They have sex. We have sex anyway. Like whether we know, know about it or not, or how to be safe or know anything that's fabulous about it, like we're going to do it. Hmm. So you have a choice when you're a parent, like, do you want your kid to be smarty pants and feel really good about the decisions they make to, if they're straight and having straight sex to know how to not get pregnant or any kind of sex they're having, you want to be able to communicate with their partner, feel comfortable, feel confident, like know what they're getting into. Like I pick that any day over Mm -hmm. doing what most people, most of us did, which was just sort of fumble around and cross our fingers and not understand like, wow, this is supposed to, well, I have a female body. So I'm like, this is supposed to feel good. I'm missing something here. Like that, mm. like that, like not getting, like getting that weird message of like sex is amazing, but then no like information about how is that a thing? Yeah. How is that a thing? So there's no through line there. It's bullshit. Or, or being taught that abstinence is the only way to go. Yeah. It doesn't like, work Oh, geez. <laughs> at all. <laughs> like that's, that's what we, we got taught in, in Manitoba was don't have sex. Here's a bit of information about sex, but don't do it. 
yeah. So like, hello, pregnant 16 year olds. Like you can yeah, just yeah. right there and see how well that's working. Yeah. <laughs> and those commu- those like states where they have really like they push on abstinence like crazy. They have the highest teen pregnancy rates, but Lord knows you wouldn't want to draw a line between wouldn't want to look at the science. I'm sure there's some science. Right. Right. Yeah. That shows the what's happening there. It's yeah. like it's like when you tell kids not to do drugs then they don't do drugs. Uh-huh. It works out perfectly, right? Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> totally. Now, Amy, so I'd like to learn a little bit more about you and your journey. Now, being a, a sex educator, first of all, thank you uh, for doing that. The older I get, the more I realize that, oh man, I wish kids just learned more. I wish that we knew more and learned more when we were mm. younger. So for yourself... How did you become a sex educator? What inspired you on this journey, trying to educate kids and families and parents about about sex? Well, in college, I volunteered actually as an abortion counselor, and I loved it. I loved helping people like understand what's happening with their bodies, helping them make a decision that felt good to them. And so that got me kind of started. And I was a feisty young feminist, women's studies major. And so then I started doing training those folks and just doing general sexuality education. And I did that for 15 years as a volunteer. And I just totally loved it. I ended up working in an abortion clinic as a volunteer. It was amazing. And that's where I kind of got into sexuality education. And then I had just assumed that I was going to be amazing at the sex talk when I had a kid. And I was not. I was super uncomfortable. So Milo was getting ready for a bath and he's like four or five and he grabs his penis and he's like, hey, mama. And and I'm like looking at him like, oh, my God. Please don't tell me it feels good to touch your penis. That's all in my head. And so I just looked at him and I said, what? And he said, I can see the veins in there where the blood goes. And I was like, awesome. Get in the bathtub. (laughs) And that's when I was like, great. I would rather talk to a pregnant 14-year-old girl than my four-year-old about his penis. And so I started doing some research and I couldn't find anything that like everything I found was saying, start talking to your kids when they're in the fifth grade. They're old enough then to know. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of don't think that's working out here. And so then I just dug a little more deeply and figured out, okay, the best time to start the conversation, I looked at the Netherlands because they have the lowest teen pregnancy rate. And so I started putting together like, okay, how am I going to do this? How are we going to do this for our son? And then when I was doing that, I was like, oh, hey, I bet I could teach other parents how to do this. And I also have a master's degree and my focus was in adult education. So I just combined these two things that I love. I love teaching adults. I don't work with kids at all. And I love um, talking about sex. So here I am. And I've been doing that for the last, I'm just going to say 14 years because 15 sounds like too long because I think that's actually (laughs) true. So it started from like my own discomfort. And just because I know all the things doesn't mean it made me super comfortable talking to Milo. I definitely did it. We had conversations, of course, but he's a very private person and a very, very private kid, which I think he did to drive me crazy in retrospect. And so he was a little more challenging than other kids. So that's how I ended up here. And it's, I mean, I love helping families. I love helping kids. Like my whole deal is that I want every child to grow up to be a whole healthy adult and you're grown, right? 
Like this is a huge part of being a grown up, right? Mm-hmm. And being a healthy person is understanding sexuality and relationships. Absolutely. And yeah. as a side note, I've learned as an adult that it's not just about P and V, that there are asexual people, mm-hmm. um, that there are different kinds of sex. And having all that knowledge allows me to be a fuller, more well-rounded adult who has a bit more knowledge about the world and about the people around him and himself. And I think that that's all part of that puzzle. I was wondering, has sex education changed over the years in the sense that now it feels like it is easier to talk about sex and that kids are learning about sex earlier? Does that make it easier to talk to them about it? Do they have more knowledge than before? Or now that we're talking LGBT, 2Q+, all of all that stuff as well, does does it make it more complicated? Well, it's sort of a push-pull. So yes, kind of overall, we're getting better about talking, especially with young people, about sexuality. So just like in general, that's better. And we're getting lots of more information just culturally in media and that sort of thing about different kinds of relationships, LGBTQ+. LGBTQ folk, like all the kind of full complement of relationships and sexuality. So that's more there. And so that's a really good thing. It's not like leaps and bounds changes, but it's Mm -hmm. enough. We were kicking ass in the 90s when HIV was happening because suddenly everything got better. And then suddenly things got bad again because politics. So in that sense, kind of overall, kids have more information. But the problem is also we have the internet So when we were scrounging around under Audrey Shapiro's dad's mattress to find the penthouses and there was a stash out in the woods behind my house, it was great. (laughs) So when we were doing that, kids today, they see it accidentally. Like I had a couple come in for a quickie consultation and their daughter had Googled horses and ended up seeing porn. And so she was seven. And so we talked about how to talk about that. And they left. And I am immediately like, how the hell do you get from horses to porn? Right? So I Googled horses and I went to images and I looked and then there was a horse with an erect penis. You could do a whole show on why people are afraid of erect horse penises. Anyway, (laughs) this is terrifying. So then I click on the horse penis picture. And then I think within two more clicks, I was in porn. I could see porn. So, yeah, so now what's happening is that kids are getting this kind of information about sexuality that's, it's porn. It's like not where we should start the party, right? So that's the kind of the biggest challenge right now. And parents really have their heads in the sand about like, oh, my kid would never, but we've always been that way. Like, I know my mom thought, oh, Amy would never look at a Playboy magazine because she's all sweet and innocent. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And then I'm going to look at the Playboy magazine, right? Because we're curious about sexuality. So parents still have that thing, oh, my kid would never, or they're not interested or for whatever reason. And that's just not true. Like when puberty like rears its head, everybody gets way more interested in sex. Not everybody. Everybody's got a different scale in terms of their sexual attraction and that sort of thing. But now they go to porn. So boys say they learn more from porn and their peers than they do from their parents, which oh, is that's not terrible, good. right? Like, like you're grown ups, you've seen porn, and that is not the place to start, right? Like, so imagine that that is your that's your main like source of sex information. People 
generally don't have sex with two other people and women's bodies don't look like that. And no one's penis is that big unless it's a yeah. horse penis. And then yes. And that's, and that's not how you treat yourself, your stepsister. No, either. no. Yeah. You're st- <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> so like, so it's this, it's bad. Like, I think it's bad. And that's like double, like even more reason for parents to take the reins mm-hmm. and lead the conversation and show their kids that they're a safe source for this information and point them in the right direction. So when they are porn exposed, they can say, oh, hey, this is porn. That's not real. And it some help with managing that. Right. Yeah. Now, to follow this thread a little bit more, I, rem- I remember a couple of years ago, I saw a news story. And I'm sure that these news stories come up every year. But it was essentially a news story saying that children are, are not only being ex- exposed to porn and to sex younger and younger but that kids are having sex younger and younger now as as an adult with as much as open mind as possible i think it is there a age that's too young to for kids to be having sex or for kids to be yes yes and, and kids also being pressured into yeah. like peer pressured into mm-hmm. having sex mm-hmm. and I, like and may, maybe jeff in a way i think because me and you were both bullied we were never pressured into having sex because uh, far from it have sex <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and your boys right and your yeah. guys right so the press the pressure goes can go both ways but it's usually the guys pressuring the gal and so the average age people have penis and vagina sex is about 17 and that hasn't changed very much but what's happening is they're having like oral sex or anal sex like sooner than they would and then there's Mm -hmm. this whole stupid thing that like that's not real sex like only penis and vagina sex is real sex and so anything with the last name, if its last name is sex, it's sex. So yeah. like they don't, they don't get that. Intercourse. Just had intercourse. <laughs> yeah. So nice. It sounds so fun. Um, <laughs> let's do that again. I would like to have intercourse. That sounds excellent. Uh, <laughs> So like, so they're getting exposed to stuff and they're starting to act out more sexually, which is a problem because what they're doing is they're imitating either what they've seen online and they're trying to make sense of it, or they may have played a game with a peer that's adult-like and sexualized. And so we're seeing more of that. So I could go down a path of sexual behavior in children and sexual development, but let's just say curiosity and experimentation is absolutely normal. And so kids will play doctor and spin the bottle and all that. And really in my perfect world, I'm totally down with 14 and up, like making out, getting busy, and then really, really having good, committed, communicating sex with a partner. I pick 17 and over, but not going to get my way. And for me, the real thing is like this consciousness around the decision making and understanding about consent and communication and knowing like in your bones, like this is the right thing for me to do. Right. I mean, if if you can't say wholeheartedly, I'm down for this. And if you've, as a kid, if you've never been told, like you should say 100% yes, well, it's never going to be hundred percent, but like 89% yes to this experience, then you probably should not be doing it. But when it's it's so hard for even adults to wrap their mind around 
consent, let alone a teenager that's still developing and just full of hormones. Right. Just so many hormones. Right. right. It's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask. But if you imagine, like, if everybody has the same kind of, like, in the Netherlands, they're great. Like, everybody has the same kind of sexuality education from kindergarten all the way through school. So there's no not knowing. Their culture's super open about sexuality. They see it as a wonderful part of life, but with responsibility. And, and so if everybody grew up like that, we would not be in the United States. We have the highest teen pregnancy rate in the developed world. Wow. Yeah. But you Canadians, you're number two. Oh. You're number two, but like massively (laughs) different. Like we're 40, what are we at? Like 48 out of a thousand girls get pregnant every year and y'all are at like 24. So big gap. A large amount of it is because of rural Manitoba. Right. We just learned that. (laughs) Now we know. Now we know where to point the uh, condoms and the birth control over rural Manitoba. Manitoba. Now, uh, Amy, I was wondering if you could walk us through a little bit of your work through birds and bees and kids and also through your, the birds and bees solution center for parents. I'm curious what sort of parents come in, do you find these are parents who are perhaps proactive, who are like, ah, I know that my child is going to be interested in this at some point, I want to be ready for them. Or do you also have parents come in being like, I found uh, a vibrator under my child's bed, and they're 11. Yeah. Yeah, I get it all. I get it all. So most of the people I work with, their kids are somewhere between like four and 12. And so a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, I got to do this. And I want to know when and how and what it should look like. And so I would say the vast majority of my people probably land almost in the middle of that. A whole lot of them are in the I've I've got to do this better than my parents did camp. A bunch of them are in the oh, crap land. I got to get this going. I don't know how to start. And so they're kind of freaked out about it. There are folks who have moments like, great, or my kid found my vibrator. Now what? Or like my kids caught us having sex. What do I do with that? Like, so they come in and kind of with kind of an emergency. And so that's my sweet spot is really helping people like parents understand like why it's so important to start the party sooner rather than later, what they should, their kids should know at each age and stage. Cause we don't know that because nobody taught us, right? Like, we don't know, like, the best age to start the conversation, which is five, which is young, but that's what they do in the Netherlands. And speaking of science, with young kids, when you're saying, like, hey, this is the usual way a baby's made, this is what sex is, penis and vagina, sperm, egg, yada, yada. And you say, you know, people usually do this just because it feels good to their grown-up bodies. It's something they agree to do. It's not for kids. There's different ways to be sexual with someone. Like, when you say that to a five-year-old, they're like, oh, okay, thanks. Like to them, it's like, here's how butter's made. Here's how baby's made. And it's the same to them. Right. And right. It, right. And then kids, five-year-olds are hanging out with other kids. They go to school. They are curious. They're learning more. They're getting information from their peers. And so if you get in the door early, you establish yourself as the go-to, right? Like yeah. I'm the person you talk to. I'm the person That's you talk awesome. to. Right. Yeah. And I think people are like, they hear that. So some of you may need to take a have a glass of wine or something right now or do some deep breathing. Like, like just because you haven't started then doesn't mean your kids are ruined. You just need to get them mm-hmm. going and just say, Hey, we should have been talking about this. Here we go. You're old enough. And then go for it. Cause no one is going to die. Yeah. No one's going to throw up. Right. We turn it into this huge thing. Right. And, and really if we can back up 
and think about it in a somewhat logical manner. Like our kids have the right to know about this really terrific part of life because mm -hmm. it is the most fun. Like if you're, if it's going well, it is the most fun you can have with another human being. Right. right? There are a lot of parents that come to you that don't want the fun part of it and having sex more about reproduction than it is about having an enjoyable time. Yeah. I mean, most everybody doesn't want to talk about the fun side because then there's that whole like question, like, well, do you do that? But the problem is that that's what we've been doing forever is just talking about it as from, as a re, from rep like as reproduction. But what if you're mm -hmm. a gay kid, right? Like yeah. there ain't no penis and vagina sex happening there. And then all our cultural messages, right? So like, why are we watching? Like there's this sex scene in the movie. If they're just, what is that? Like no one's told me, like we kind of like figure out it's supposed to feel good rather than being told straight up, this is supposed to feel good. And then again, that's going to be empowering to a kiddo to know like, okay, this should, should feel good. All right. So what's that looking like? This doesn't feel good. And then again, we kind of always end up back within consent land. So yeah, it'd be great to keep it in science land. And you can do that when they're little, by the time they're in middle school, you, you need to really start focusing on dating relationships. They should know everything, the basics of everything by the time they start middle school. And then mm -hmm. you kind of flip the script and start talking more about ro romance, relationships, dating, healthy relationships, consent, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, it would be nice if we could just talk about the science, but it doesn't work. We did an episode, uh, Fear of Representation, a while ago, and we had uh, a couple podcasters on, Brianne and Sean, and uh, they were saying that a lot of the problem that they had being gay, that there was no representation of them in media. So let alone having that sex education, they didn't even know what to do because yeah. they'd never seen it on television or in movies. And the little bit they did was the standard 90s, the door closes and then fade to black. So yeah, it's really important to see your own sexuality and who you are being taught to you. So yeah, that definitely. So are not in the dark. Yeah, definitely. And you can't tell by looking at any at a kid like what their sexuality is it's not just black or white like there's so much in between or you now we talk about it now in terms of in terms of a scale like how attracted are you to women one to ten how attracted are you to men one to ten because everybody's even someone who identifies as entirely heterosexual they're also going to be maybe a little bit attracted to the, the the other sex or the same sex as well so there's this whole big hodgepodge and we're getting better and better about it, but mostly in liberal communities and liberal cities where we have better, more liberal sexuality education in the school systems, like Washington State just adopted comprehensive sexuality education. Hallelujah. I think that understanding that there are all different kinds of sexualities, different ways to be sexual with someone is going to be hugely liberating for a kiddo that is not straight, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to see yourself in the media is really important. And it's better and better and better and better all the time, all the time. And there's so many resources for kids who aren't straight. It's just wonderful. And thank God for the internet because that it has saved kids' lives because they could go yeah. places and get help or yeah, even just absolutely. meet people, right? One of those uh, really great resources for LGBT plus people who are looking to ask questions that perhaps they are too afraid to ask. We would like to invite them to head on over and listen to our friends. I can explain our wonderful friends, Sean Lusk and Brianne Williamson. Fear of representation. Love that episode. I, I was going to actually ask, do you find that a lot of parents are relying on the education system to kind of do it for them? 
Yeah, because it was kind of, oh, well, it was good enough for me. Or mm -hmm. they'll think, oh, I didn't have it. That's better than nothing. And they also wait until the fifth grade because that's when most people have sex ed and, and that's too late. Like mm -hmm. they should know everything that's going to happen in fifth grade sex education by the time they're in fourth grade. And right. so there's no mystery. And it's a better way to learn too, because if you already know something about something and then you take a class on it, you're going to hear different perspectives. You're going to get more information. So yeah, parents totally rely on it. And it is totally not enough. And then parents will also opt their kids out of it because they somehow think it's going to ruin them. And that's just foolishness because you can opt out of sex education. Oh yeah. We're in the wow. US of A down here. You just say, I don't <laughs> agree. And you can opt your child out of it. And wow. so those kids, and that's usually for religious reasons. So the thing that those parents don't understand is that if they're already talking openly with their kids about their values and about sexuality, when they take a class like that, it's just going to add information into their, what they already have. And the parents are the most influential people when it comes to this in kids' lives until they're into high school. So it's an opportunity missed and an opportunity to talk about their values. Like we don't agree with this and here's why, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they're all on the same page with their kids. And again, just would like to revisit rural Manitoba where all those <laughs> gals were knocked up because they had lack of information. So it's yeah. a really, it's really too bad that folks that aren't able to see that how important this is. And I'm all like all about the different resource, like all the different resources, go to school, read a book. There's safe, there are safe videos for kids now, that kind of thing. Now, uh, speaking of resources, uh, I think this is a great time to segue uh, over into some resources that you have created, Amy. And of course that is me talking about your two books. You are the author of uh, two books that I think any parent who is needing more information yeah. uh, should really pick up. The first book I'd like to uh, quickly talk about is Birds and Bees and Your Kids, A Guide to Sharing Your Beliefs About Sexuality, Love, and Relationships. Brackets, everything you need to know before middle school. Jeff, where was this when we needed it? <laughs> I don't think it was out yet. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. I was doing other things. What kind of information can parents... First off, is it just for parents or mm -hmm. kids? Or nope. Something? Nope. I, nope. I only... like I wrote the, dating, the book Dating Smarts for Teens because that just happened for a variety of right. reasons. But the book Birds and Bees and Your Kids is for parents. And the goal of it is to help parents, A, get some information about like how to have the sex talks, things they should cover... But more importantly, to help them clarify their values, because that is the thing that really helps kids the most. Like you can get the like what goes where birth control yeah. information kind of anywhere. But if you don't if you don't talk with your kids about your values, that's what gives your kids roots and, and it gives the conversations roots. It makes it makes them stick. So there's some questions to go through. And what it does is it gives the parents a sense of like calm and smarts and I got this and really an easier place to start because if you don't know your belief about something, it doesn't help your kids. And we all want our kids to have our same values, even though they won't. That is great. Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah. So that's the point of that. And we think about talking about sex. We think about the nuts and bolts and the reproduction, right? We don't think about the bigger picture, which is like, what do you believe about these different things? What are your values about, you know, like tampons? Like people have values about tampons. Who knew? 
You do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my book for parents. And then Dating Smarts is my is my other book. Dating Smarts, what every teen needs to know to date, relate, or wait. Ah, I love that title. I poke fun at my lack of dating and or sex in high school. I am so very lucky to be married to a wonderful woman. So Dating Smarts is for teenagers. And the idea behind that is like, it's to, it's full of information, like all the nuts and bolts stuff. But then there are sections where I had people talk about their first time, the first time they had sex. So different folks, different a woman who's gay. I think I had talked to a uh, man who's gay, like different ex- first time experiences to kind of normalize that. And then I have like a checklist of how to know if your partner is safe and like, are they this? Are they that? Are they that? And I talk about consent and kind of walk them through a first date. And then it's like, if A, then B, and to help them see what that could look like. And it's not perfect. But one of the things about it is that I have had parents buy it and read it and then tell me how helpful it was to them personally. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, because it's all those things we missed. Like, it, like we didn't learn about healthy relationship. Like, what does that mean? Right? Yeah. Like, what does a healthy relationship look like? And so, and it all talks about birth control and blah, 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 and all that stuff. So, so that book is really to help teenagers. It's really about that relating and dating. And the waiting piece is like, again, around that, am I wholeheartedly into this? Like, is this the right decision for me? And all, yeah. are all those pieces in place? That is yeah. awesome. I appreciate that the birds and bees in your kids' books. Again, not only about values, but sexuality, love and healthy relationships, but also, again, it talks about masturbation, pornography, sex for, for pleasure. Again, stuff that if I was a parent, I'd be like, I have no idea how to talk about this. So very helpful. And in the teen dating book, you know, talks about breaking up, talks about sexting or pornography, STDs, healthy relationships. Again, stuff that I think so much of the education that that our generation and past generations got was so much fear based. Yep. And yeah. I and and I think that as we've learned, fear doesn't work as an educational tool. So. No, it does not. <laughs> It works, it works for some as a people. podcast. Right. It's perfect as a podcast. It's perfect <laughs> as a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's never worked. And, and it actually does work for some people, but that's not the majority of people. Like I have a friend who was like, yep, saw that video. I've scared the pants off me. I didn't have sex until I was 37. Not entirely true, but like was very, very cautious because that did work for her. But for most people, it does not work. It does not work. And so why do we keep, it does, why do we keep doing something that doesn't work? <laughs> Brilliant. Fear, that is a, fear a people, fear. That's why, fear. <laughs> now, uh, speaking of podcasts, our wonderful friend and colleague, Amy, also has her own podcast that I also like to give that a shout out uh, called Just Say This. I love the different topics that you talk about. Everything from little gal finds the shower wand. Okay. Ah, let's let's talk about that. The F word and period parties. Oh, the pornisode. All you need to know. Talk to your kids about yeah. porn. Pornisode number 73, pornisode number 74. <laughs> I get so many porn questions. Yeah, I love yeah. to give advice and I love advice columns. So I didn't want to do an interview style podcast or me just rambling. So you can call into my voicemail 06 926 1522 and leave a voicemail and ask me a question. And they're all a hodgepodge because I have listeners of 
for parents of kids of all different ages. And so even if it's a five-year-old discovering this shower wand and you have a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old, you still need to know a little bit about how to talk yeah. about that. Or if it's the period party talk and you've got a four-year-old and you're like, oh, period parties, what's that? Right? Or you have a kiddo that's 10 and going to be bleeding anytime soon. And you're like, oh, period party. Maybe we should like you want to like everybody has there's something everybody can take away. And it's just more entertaining to have a total rando mix of things in my in my estimation, in my estimation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank well, you. and we've talked about many times on the show, education is the most important thing. I think one of my biggest you know takeaways from what you're sharing is that ultimately parents in general want to share and instill their values. And I think my hope for parents who are perhaps listening to this episode or who are reaching out to you, uh, I think that parents who are trying to get educated and who are who do have an open mind and an open heart, I think that those parents should be supported and applauded for taking those uncomfortable steps to learn and to do better for their kids than perhaps we were able to. Mm -hmm. Wow. I want to learn more about sex now, Jeff. Is that weird? (laughs) For more information for listeners uh, of our podcast and for parents or people who are interested in your wonderful work, Amy, where can they learn more information? Well, my website, birdsandbeesandkids.com is a place you can go. I have been blogging since God was a boy. So there's tons of information there, books and all kinds of resources. And if you're a podcast listener, if you listen to my podcast, just say this, you're going to learn a ton because like I just said, there's all these different things that we talk about or I talk about and it's, I think it's entertaining, but it's really informative because it's that kind of lighthearted relatively speaking style. So that two places website, just say this. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Jeff, for people who want to learn more about fear of science, where can they learn more? You can find us on social media at science fears on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Excellent. And uh, as always, why I love this podcast and why I've really enjoyed our conversation with with you, Amy, is the fact that learning new things, especially things that maybe we were a little bit unsure about or afraid of, by learning these things, they become less scary. And and I think that that's education is so important. And uh, I'm really glad that I learned a lot with you too. So thank you all very much for listening. We hope you learned some things as well. Until the next time that we get a chance to learn together, hope you stay safe and stay well and take care of each other.